Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Crossover Cafe by the Sports City Chefs. Uh, this is Dave here with Barry. Barry, how you doing, buddy? Villain, I'm in the house. A little Crossover Cafe action. What's going on, Dave? You know, just uh, just living the dream. Uh, if anybody else out there living living the dream wants to live with us, be sure to give us a shout. Nine two nine four seven seven twenty seven fifty nine. We are here live for the next hour. Uh, we're gonna got a lot of basketball to talk about. Uh, a lot of big topics too. Uh, some really cool things. But first, uh, gotta say, Barry, I haven't talked to you in a while. How you doing? Happy New Year. Hope you guys had a good uh, good holidays. Yeah, happy New Year. Um, you know, hanging with the family and my daughter down. So, you know, full house here, not like the TV show. Ours is better. Um, but, you know, just struggling watching my Knicks uh, get pummeled by the Boston Celtics. Always a, a terrible, terrible time when the Knicks are losing and even worse when they're losing to a Boston team. So, um, yeah, other than that, man, can't, can't complain. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't pretty, but, I mean, I, I do like uh, – uh, I do like thinking that the Knicks are going to do going to going to stay on the right path, and that last year wasn't a fluke. But man, they've just not quite. It seems like everybody's performing to ten percent less than they were last year, or something like that. And sure. So I think uh, coming into yesterday, the day before, they were only really a game behind the pace of last year. It's just last year felt like such an overachievement. But uh, it's been, you know, it's been a pretty. I mean, I'm a Jets fan, so you know, we're losing. We're out here losing <laughs> and being like, hey. This is great. We lost, and we almost <laughs> like, you know, it's it's a weird time in New York sports, uh, and I mean, you know, sports in general. As, as we've got everything going on, I'm glad uh, I was able to get out to see uh, Spider-Man before uh, everything went down. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, as I'm saying, New York sports is very interesting. And and I said everything went down talking about COVID, and and one of the things I think very without any doubt. The hot topic of the week is the return of Kyrie. Now, there are a lot of angles to take with it, but for uh, a quick recap, uh, Kyrie was told by the Nets at the beginning of the season, hey, simple, either you're, you're with us or you're not. You either, in effect, they didn't say it outright, and I think they were very, very specific to not do it, but they didn't say get vaccinated or play. They're saying either you comply with, with the rules and regulations that are required uh, and and based the you know the the home court of the Brooklyn Nets, there was a mandate that uh, you have to be vaccinated to be in the building. Now, that seems to only apply to Brooklyn Nets. So, for instance, the Nets play the Bucks tomorrow night, and Kyrie mm-hmm. is not allowed to play in the game because it's mm-hmm. in New York City. Now, if the Bucks have a player that is not vaccinated for for reasons I still don't quite understand, that player would be allowed to play. So it seems to be. Uh, limited to to nets who are 
uh, residents. You know, uh, yeah, re- residents. Thank you. That's that's the right word for it. Residents. And um, so really the Nets are going to have Kyrie for a little bit less than half of the remainder of the season. I believe they've got 47 or so games to go. I think if I'm not mistaken, he's still eligible for 22 of them. Um, so it's an interesting play by the Nets. Um, there are a couple of reasons I think they could have done it. They, they will say what they say, but, you know, the Nets had an outbreak and had a lot of minutes put on Durant and Harden. And Harden actually was out for some time. Um, do the protocols. And, I mean, the, the whole team hasn't been healthy for the whole year. They haven't been healthy for the whole stretch. I mean, uh, I forget what it was, uh, Barry, but I saw a stat that Clay and Kyrie, um, Kyrie has missed more games than Clay over the, over the course of the last couple of years, um, which is unfortunate because they're both great players. But Kyrie hasn't really missed too much necessarily for injury. He's just kind of, right. you know, do, doing his Kyrie thing. Clay is clearly Kyrie being Kyrie. Recovering. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what? I mean, it really does feel like the first time we've seen a Manny being Manny uh, type of example since that. But uh, whatever the, 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 the headline is, Kyrie is back with the Nets, and the Nets have bent and broken to allow him to play. Just the simple, Barry, Barry the simple question, man. Did the Nets – what do you think of the Nets' decision? I mean, they they were boxed into a corner. They had pretty much no choice, right? Um, to your point, they had players hurt. Um, and then you had COVID protocols that really ravaged their team. Um, so a part-time player is better than no-time player. So um, I understand that. I, I kind of give the Nets a little grief because they came out in a strong position, even though you agree, agree with it or disagree with it. They said, you know, we don't want a part-time player either here or you're not, but then they reneged on it and looked kind of weak doing it. So that's, um, that that kind of disturbed me. But at the end of the day, I think the whole mandate is BS, to be fair. I mean, I'm not a Kyrie guy. I don't like it. I don't like the, the, the antics that he has uh, done for the, for the course of his career, um, you know, you know, with all the beneath the media's beneath him and all that stuff, trying to be the smartest in the room. Anybody that needs to tell you they're the smartest in the room is an idiot. Um, but I mean, you know, I just, I don't think he's an idiot, but I mean, I, I just don't like what he does. Right. But in the end of the day, the mandate in New York is BS because players need to be vaccinated to work in New York, but the fans don't need to be vaccinated to be in the same building. So it's all BS, right? It, it's a, it's no, a hypocrisy. It, it, it's a um, complete joke. There's so many there's so many holes to poke in the whole thing. Um, right. It's I, a complete no, hypocrisy. So from that perspective, I I, I kind of see why he would stand his ground, but I don't understand why you would stand your ground because you're. It's not like it's not like he's not collecting a salary. He's paying. He's being paid not to play. So um, you know. And good thing he didn't really come out and, and say, woe is me, because then it would be a firestorm, right? Because he is getting his salary, his full salary, by the way. But, I mean, at the end of the day, 22 points, you know, 9 of 17 shooting, um, you know, I think he threw in four assists. I mean, he looked like he hadn't lost a step, and he's only going to get better. Now, it's going to take him a little bit longer for him to get going because, um, he's not playing every game. He's going to be essentially playing almost every other game, right? Because he's on the road. But the right. more, I think him, him being there is better. Him being there halftime is better than him not being there at all. So I, I right. like it. Um, I think it can make it work. I still don't think they're the favorites, but I think he gives them a much better chance to get out of the East if he's even there halftime as opposed to him not being there at all. Yeah, no, it really – I mean, even if he's there half the time, you're talking about the last man on the roster, you know, the, the eighth, ninth, tenth guy on the roster. You're just going to bump that up, and it's inevitable. I mean, you know, you just, you're just making that, that roster stronger. And, and I think to a point you're really, really giving uh, a bit more rest opportunities for, for Harden and Durant. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, sure, any, one of, any given night, one of those guys could go off to 30. But ideally, you'd like maybe two of them to go for 30 and the other guy to have a little bit of a slower-paced game. Now, 
I love hearing all sorts of takes on this, and I'm going to bring in our friend Alan uh, to give us uh, another take. And, and Alan, I've got you on here, and I'd love to know, uh, you know, f- first off, uh, how you doing, and uh, what do you think? What's up, Dave? What's up, Barry? It's been a minute. You know, I just finished. Eating I know, dinner. brother. I saw you. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, absolutely. So I just finished dinner, but I, as Barry knows, I like to eat. So I'm seeing what other entrees and dishes you guys have. And I'm <laughs> talking some food. So I know I hear you guys talking about Kyrie. You know, so I'm here. I'm here regarding Kyrie. I don't know. Part of me feels like it might. <clears throat> I might go against the Nets because uh, he's only here part-time. He's only playing part-time. So what does that mean? Like if I'm if I'm LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Irfan, you know, a vet that I've been in the league 10-plus years, and, I mean, I understand Kyrie's, you know, status in the NBA, best, one of the best handles, clutch player, but, like, he can just be a part-time player. Like, I don't know how I would feel if I'm a teammate, like, you know. So, like, skill-wise, you know, no doubt on Kyrie's skill set, but, like, I'm thinking at the part, like, like you know, there's that like mantra, like you know, I want this person in a foxhole. I I don't think I I don't think Kyrie's that guy that I want in a foxhole. You know, seven game series, no. come playoff time, he can't even play all seven games. So while he has the skill set, you know, to offset all this, you know, off the court stuff, I just don't know. Like if I'm Blake or Lamarcus, I'm like, yo, what's up with you, Kyrie? Why are you why are you just a part time player? Like you know, are you the in it or either in it or you're not. So I felt like the Nets, right. I know they're looking out for their best interest. They're trying to pursue the championship, but I feel like, I, I want to say morale, but I felt like for, I don't know, I just felt like it was just a bad move. Like, you just, okay, and Kyrie's so nice, we just let him play part-time. Meanwhile, everybody comes to practice every day, doing their thing, and this guy just comes in part-time. I understand with the mandates, and I don't want to get into it because we're talking hoops now, but I, I don't know. I think it's going to turn against them just because you know, come playoff time, like, you know, you really need him for game six, game seven, but he, he can't play. So, like, so how Alan, do you feel? Like, I've... So, so, so let me just make sure I understand one key thing on, on your point, though, is is you're, you're really talking about overall, like, the number one factor of Kyrie doing this part-time, like, I'll show up when I want to game, is is the locker room chemistry. Am I, am I right on that? Correct. Correct. So I'm looking at the roster, right? I, I do, you know, love love my my pivot tables. Uh, shout out to Barry Altenby. Um, you know, <laughs> and if you look at the, you look at it by age, right? You got Lamarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap. I mean, James Johnson's there too. But then you look at Patty Mills, Durant, Harden, Blake Griffin. And that's that's seven guys right there. They've been in the league a long time, right? And I don't think I I I can't imagine that those guys have all been in the league this long and almost in a way not knowing what they signed up for. Maybe Joe Harris is the one guy on the roster because he was here before, you know, the big group came in, um, you know, back when it was Dinwiddie and those dudes, um, Levert. But now it's – now now if you're Aldridge, you know what you came here. You knew what to expect. Millsap, you knew. Patty Mills, you knew. Durant, and, Durant for sure. Harden was traded for, so that one I could see maybe being a little bit different. Um, but I, I do think there's an element of these guys knew what they signed up for, and they're, in a sense, doing whatever it takes to win. And I don't think – I think one of the things – I, I will say this every time, and, Alan, I'd really love to hear your thought on this one. I know Barry's thoughts, but I think one of the reasons the guys, uh, Durant um, and, and Kyrie, picked Brooklyn is because he can do this. And you know what we're doing? We're talking about it, and so is everybody this week, right? This is this is the hot story. It might last a little bit, but I'm telling you, give it another week or two, no matter what the Knicks are doing, if they're still floating around 500, uh, all the stations and all the articles, it'll go right back to talking about the Knicks. That's it should be. It's a Knicks town. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy not to think it's a Knicks town. Even when the Jets were good in 09 and 10, yeah, they got the headlines for a couple of years, but it's, it's still a giant town. Uh, you know, we'll see how the Mets Yankees thing shakes out, but but it's a it's a mixed town, and Kyrie and KD can sort of continue to play, you know, in the second fiddle, despite it being yeah, it's New York City, and they're sure going to get more press in New York City than I guess Milwaukee is the example I would always use, but they're good now. 
But, you know, the Pacers, right? The, you know, the amount of coverage the Pacers get in Indianapolis, proportionate, you know, it's gonna, they're getting all the coverage, but it's not still nearly as much as the Nets would get in New York. And I think that gets lost. But this is exactly why he did this. This is exactly why they picked Brooklyn. Because he can do this. And, again, those other guys came in. They said, look, it's a group of mercenaries all coming in for a quick title. That's what it is. Get in, get your title, get out. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to be a factor uh, at all with with how the locker room handles it. I think they'll be fine, honestly, because it's a group of veterans. Um, if it was a younger team, yeah, absolutely. It would be a huge problem. I mean, you know, Nick Claxton is like one guy, I, I think, uh, who's young on the team that's really doing well. Um, but, no, I don't see that being a problem. The only thing I can imagine it occurring would be the on-the-field or on-the-court chemistry, which if uh, – I don't know if any of you guys watched the game yesterday. They came out a little rusty, um, but when they flipped that switch in the uh, third and fourth quarter, they, they just they, – they said, nah, this is our sport. We're going to do what we do, and they did it. Um, well, they, they started playing defense, Dave. They, they started playing defense. You, you know what I mean? Like, really watching that game, I'm watching them – Kyrie, not a good defender, not rotating, not getting over screens, you know, and then it, it, it took Durant to kind of get them going. It's, it's, that's been happening the like last four or five games with the Nets. Their defense is what's been letting them down. They're not defending. They're not defending well in the perimeter. They're not getting over screens. So I think once they finally figured that out, and let's, get, let's, let's be honest. Like I said last night on the uh, Crossover Cafe, 9 o'clock on, on Wednesdays, Eastern Standard Time, um, that – the, they, the Pacers need to blow it up. They're not a very good team outside of Sabonis and, and maybe Brogdon. They're not a good team. So um, they were able to get back in the game because, because Pacers, they can't shoot the ball. Once they, st- they got cold in the game, it was easy for, the, the, uh, for, for Brooklyn to get back in the game. But Brooklyn also, they were, they were still letting up second and third chance points. Pacers just weren't hitting shots. So, I, I think the chemistry is something on the defensive end we need to keep an eye on, especially with Kyrie coming back and not being such a great defender. How can they? How will they? How will they get over that hump? It's the it's the Kansas City Chiefs problem, though. I mean, you've got such a ridiculously good offensive ability, and again, we haven't seen it together for more than something like fourteen, fifteen games. But once they're all on the field together, you know, just like once you have Patrick Mahomes throwing to Tyreek and you got the right running backs and, a, you know, a semi-potent offensive line, then fine. And it's just like this with the Nets. It, you know why they're not playing defense? First off, head coach, Steve Nash. Uh, Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> uh, I'm not, not expecting right. a lot of defense out of those guys anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's not their game. So but they you, just need to be, you know, they just need to not give up, you know, 70% shooting. Just put your hands in the air and, and hope they, you know, hit. You know. This is what worries me about Brooklyn against Golden State, by the way, is Golden State can just – they'll just pull up and shoot. And Brooklyn's not even playing defense anyway, so they're just giving up the shots they're giving up. I don't see Brooklyn playing well against Golden State at all. But against anybody else, they can play mediocre defense and just get the, ba- get the ball in the hoop. I, they, they should win any series. So I don't think they can defense that so, badly. So what I'm hearing What's is up, that Alan? you guys well, – Dave, you keep saying that um, once they're on the floor together, the offense going to be clicking. But he, he, they're not going to be on the floor together every game. That's the thing. So that's where it throws mm. a curveball in every game. Every game, like Steve Nash has to – well, Steve Nash, uh, I agree, he doesn't teach defense. I actually don't think he's the head coach. But <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> but I feel like every game they have to, like, instead of knowing that Kyrie, Harden, and KD on their squad every game, they got a game plan differently. Like, oh, instead of Kyrie, we have to start Patty Mills, and I don't even know who starts. Is, um, is it Bruce Brown that starts? I'm not even sure who starts. Um, but th- my point is, they don't. They're not going to have him every game, so it's going to just throw a curveball every game plan. And then I just. And then the big point is, um, I know you talked about the vets understand what they're getting to. From what I've read, James Harden has a player option after this season. So imagine you, James Harden, you're like, okay, KD, Kyrie, I'm going to sign long-term. And then Kyrie comes in and says, no, I'm not playing. Or now I'll be a part-time player. So what's going to happen next year? So that just that could just throw a whole monkey wrench in the Nets' plans because Harden might be like, I signed up for the big three, not the big two and a half. So we'll be, I, I'd be curious I, to see what happens because Harden has a player option I don't know. at the end of the season. I think, I think it's a little um, – I'm trying to be um, – 
fair to, to, to both you, Alan, but also Kyrie, because I'm not in Kyrie's head, and I think whatever's going on in Kyrie's head, I don't actually think I want to know. Um, but, you know, I, I don't – you said they, I signed up for the big three, not the big two and a half. How do we know? How do we really know that? I, I do think there is an extent where – Mills, Griffin, Harris, not Harris, again, I keep saying Harris, but Aldridge and Harden, except for Harden, again, Harden was a trade, but, you know, yeah, Harden had some say, I'm sure, into coming to Brooklyn. Um, I do think there's an element of they knew what they were potentially getting into, although the only thing to counter my own argument is that I think one of the reasons the Nets told Kyrie to stay away from the team at the beginning of the season wasn't necessarily a punishment. It was a more of like, now nah, we got to build this core. And if you're not going to be part of the core, the whole core, then don't come here. I do think there's a bit of, and you know, I, Alan, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a Nets fan. I've been a, a Nets fan since since they were in New Jersey, way back. So this isn't a recent thing since they moved to uh, to Brooklyn. I've been a lifelong Nets fan, and 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 this this franchise, this team. Uh, they've never really had success, and I think they truly understand right now, you know, in the same way that a Billy King tried to with the KG and Paul Pierce trade, that they understand that they're not one of these franchises like the Knicks that will just be able to sell out every season. They're not going to be able to be a Golden State that could just be a constant powerhouse, even though, again, Golden State's success largely recent. Um, or the Celtics. Again, we were just talking about the Celtics and the Knicks. I mean, that's, I'm sure that game's going to get killer ratings, right? And it's two teams that aren't, aren't superb right now. But people are going to pay attention. But Brooklyn, when they're not a good team, who cares, right? So if you're the owner, you say, whatever. If if I have to be the guy who says, I'll give Kyrie what he wants, I'll get a little frustrated at the beginning of the season. But when I see that calendar flip to 2022, and I know we made it past the holidays, whatever. Whatever it takes to win. It's not the uh, – uh, they're not trying to win the moral championship. They're not trying to win – you know, the, the moral fiber or, or anything like that. They're trying to win basketball games. And if you have Kyrie for, for less than half of those basketball games, I'd rather have Kyrie for less than those half, half of those basketball games than none of those games and even just have him in another jersey. You know what I mean? Who knows? Maybe he'd have cut a – he's crazy. He could have gone back to Boston. He's not crazy, but he's he's a wild card. He could have gone back to Boston. Would you want that? <clears throat> no. But, I mean, we'll see how it, you know, but right now in the regular season, especially with the dog days coming up, trying to get to the, trying to get to the all-star break, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll give them a nice little lift. Um, you'll have to see in the playoffs, you know, we don't know where their seeding's going to be, you know, if they have home court advantage, if they get to a game seven, we just don't know yet. So, you know, it, for right now in the interim, I kind of agree. I think, it it's going to work, like, because half of him is better than none of them right now. Even though Patty Mills is having his, his probably one of his best seasons, he's having 13 points a game, he's a nine-point-per-game career scorer, I think just having that lift just gets him in, gets that position even better. So, um, you know, I don't think – now, listen, the, the, the Clay Thompson coming back is way better impact. You know what I mean? I think – when he comes back, now we don't know what Clay Thompson's going to be, um, but we're assuming he's going to be at least 70%, 80% of what he was. I think that is going to be a much better impact um, in, in the, on a team that's already playing lights-out basketball. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to be asking for as much from Clay. Hey, uh, Alan, i got a question for you, buddy. What's, um, you know, uh, what's your, your rooting interest? Who's your favorite team? Uh, as Barry knows, I don't have a favorite NBA team. I don't, I, I'm a diehard Huskies fan. UConn <laughs> so, Huskies. I mean, <laughs> so that whole that whole Kemba thing didn't sit well with me. What to to the Kemba? So oh. you know when you know when Kemba was playing and rocking out that week, you know I was cheering for it. Um, but yeah. NBA wise, I just I mean I live in I live in Westchester, so there's a lot of you know Knicks Nets coverage. So obviously I follow them, but I don't really have a I don't have an NBA team that I, I that that you know I I root for. I I love that actually. I love that answer. I mean, I used to you know growing up, I would almost get like mad at people who didn't have a a fan of a team. And then I guess as I got a little bit older, I realized there's people who just appreciate the game. So I I, I love that. Uh, so great. That means I can I can ask you. I, I think you'll be a little bit more objective on some of the uh, on some of the things that we talk about, like. I think one of the things that is the hardest to get an objective answer on 
is the All-Star game. Um, mm. And uh, I was just curious, Barry. I don't know if you had a chance to really even sit down and think about it, which maybe not, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of fun. Because I was looking at some of the guys that I think could be starters for the uh, all-star lineups, and I wasn't sure. I mean, you know, I, I, you could always take the all-star conversation and sort of turn it into an MVP conversation because in basketball lately it seems like you just take the five best guys and just throw them out there in some random order. Um, but is there anybody uh, out there that you think um, is an all-star that would uh, – yeah, or any guys out there that you think are just absolute lock all-stars that aren't necessarily MVP candidates. Like uh, I, the first guy that comes to mind for me out of the East is like a DeMar DeRozan. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's an MVP candidate right now. He could be. But uh, what do you think? Should be. I mean, Dunk is there anybody out there? He should be up there. I think he's he's kind of proven the haters wrong, I think. Um, you know, I think I think I would I was hesitant to, to take him – over Fournier because, you know, he's not a mm-hmm. great three-point tuner. He's a mid-range guy, and he might have packed it in with Julius Randle. But I would, right now, if you if I had to pick one of the two, I would take DeRozan over Fournier, clearly. So, um, I mean, yeah, right now, I think, obviously, I think, I think Durant's a lock. I mean, he's an MVP candidate, right? Um, Giannis is having a really good year. Um, I think... Um, DeRozan and, and Harden are guys that deserve to be um, at the top. I think Trey Young, he's missed too many games, and I would probably put Zach Levine. Now, I'm looking at the, the, the first first round of ballots, right? So I would put Levine over Young. I think Zach Levine should should really be considered as a starter. Now, it's tough because he's a guard, and I think DeRozan and Harden are slightly ahead of him, but I got to look at I got to look at Levine and I'm thinking this guy has, has really kind of elevated his game to get uh, from being a really good player to be an all-star caliber player. So I really like that. Um, and for the Western Conference, James is a lock. He's, ha- I mean, 19 years in, having a, a great season. It's just the fact that he can't do it all by himself. Anthony Davis, right. please please report to the building. Um, <laughs> Yoke, the Joker – I love that. Oh. You know, he's he's he he's super talented, reigning MVP. I'm kind of you know, Paul George. I don't know. I would I I think I would put Draymond Green ahead of Paul George yeah. because I respect the defense that he's playing. He's the catalyst. But I mean, I I also think Paul George is is, is having a pretty good year, so I'm I'm okay with that. Steph Curry and 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 Luca, yeah. okay. I would probably flip uh, Job Morant. I think lately, the last yep. week or two, like I said it last night, you look at it's it's what you what have you done for me lately? In the last couple of games, Job Morant has gone crazy. I think he's a lock for most improved player. So I would probably flip those two. I'm I'm just you know Luca. I like him, and, and I think me and Alan talked about it before. But I think you know he's a he's a he's a black hole for the ball. He's clearly not in great shape. I think he could do better getting into better shape on the court. Um, he's super talented. I think his three point shooting is kind of erratic. I just think there's holes in his game that I think he can get better with. But um, and I, I think John Morant is just kind of elevating his game to be a lock for an All Star. I, I totally am with you. Are you. One thing, and then I want to hear. I want to hear Alan the uh, the true mm. the true uh, objective uh, take we'll get. But yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think I think uh, Ja Morant has to be in there. I almost kind of want to give CP3 a little bit of love on that one. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, that's again a bit of a lifetime achievement award type status there. But I mean, look look at what their their record is, and look at who's who's taking care of the ball. Um, I don't know if I've ever had a I love him and I hate him at the same time type of feeling for a guy like Draymond Green, mostly because I just cannot stand the Warriors. I do not like Steph Curry. Uh, he's got that smug little look on his face every time the little. Oh. Anyway, oh, I can't stand Steph Curry. He's Aww, so good. So hateful. So hateful. <laughs> Listen, you know everybody knows that a villain doesn't like LeBron, so you know. 
Yeah, here we go. You got everybody's got one, right? But I mean, I, I got to give Draymond Green a ton of respect. I think he's held that team together um, more in a way than Curry. Because I do, you know, I, I, you know, to hate on Steph Curry, I think he's just a specialist sharpshooter, and he's not that, you know, he can do cute little mm-hmm. ball handle things. But is it really practical in the game? No. Um, so I think we, we can talk about really that, Dave. <laughs> Um, I can I can yeah, talk sure about Curry. <laughs> oh, he's he he's so good, and he, it's like uh, it was like watching Tom Brady torch the Jets for like twenty years. Like I know he's the greatest, but I still hate it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, let you know what? Let's here's your here's your floor, Alan. Let's hear what you say. I, I'd love to hear Alan's All Star ballot for the East and the West. So I'm looking at these uh, the first fan returns. I'm just gonna say these fans these fans got to do better because. I don't know why Clay Thompson is on this list. I don't know why. Who else? No, Marcus Aldridge is on this list at number nine. Like so, I'm throwing this out the window, and I'm just going to oh, tell listen, you Clay Thompson the five and, uh, starters on both Clay sides. Clay Thompson and Kyrie are neck and neck. So, oh, one thing I notice is where the heck is Jalen Brown? Why is he not on top ten? How is Fred VanVleet, Darius Garland? Tyler Hero, Facts. Derek Rose who hasn't played in three weeks. It's Kyrie, come on, we don't even talk. We already talked about. How is I personally, and people will argue with me. I think Jalen Brown is the best all-around player on the Celtics. I don't. I didn't say wow. the best offensive player because people are going to say Jason Tatum. I'm talking about the best all-around player because when I watch Jalen Brown, I see someone who scores 25, 30, and actually defends. Jason Tatum, yeah, he just he just trying to be Kobe getting his 40. He doesn't always get his 40, but he'll take a lot of shots. So Jalen Brown needs And he's not a facilitator, there, too. Like, I don't, I don't expect him to be a facilitator, Alan, but he doesn't – it's like he doesn't make anybody better around him, Tatum. You know what I mean? Jalen Brown does. Tatum? Yeah, yeah. Tatum's just a gunner. But to, to yeah. the point that we're discussing, so these are my starters. I don't care about the fan voting. I don't care about uh, how many games <laughs> missed right now. I'm just talking straight straight – like this year's season stats-wise. So Eastern Conference, regardless of position, KD, Giannis, Embiid, <clears throat> DeRozan, and it's a toss-up between, it's like a toss-up between like James Harden or Zach Levine, like you said earlier, um, Barry. Wow. So, the, so those are the six, right? So the Western Conference, I think the Western Conference is pretty, in my opinion, pretty set. I think these are the I mean, the five best players this year, uh, this season so far. LeBron, of course, Joker, even though his team's underachieving, um, Steph, and then John Morant, and then here I go again. I, I, the fifth is always tough, but that's got to be between <laughs> Luca and Paul George, and I'm going to give the edge to Luca. So basically, it's LeBron, Joker, Curry, Ja, and Luca. Those, those are the five for the Western Conference. I mean, um, there's there's no holes on that team. So, um, so Barry he mentioned Clay Thompson really quick earlier. So I just want I'm just curious. I'm just going to throw it to the to the kitchen. Do you think he should start when he comes back? I've been texting with some people. I don't think he should start when he comes back. Who Clay? So people people are yeah. Kurt's already said that he's going to be starting when he comes back. And I'm like, really? So here, here's. <laughs> Let me take that one, and then I'll, I'll pass over to Barry. But I don't think uh, there's a reason not to start Clay. I, I think you – first off, you got to trust him, and I think you got to kind of build that um, rotation with the with the first team. I mean, let's see. It's January 6th. I, I wouldn't bring him off the bench right away because he seems like the kind of guy, and, and this is just a feel, but he seems like the kind of guy. He's When he's ready to go, he's ready to go. I'd say have him run um, between the top of the arc to the top of the arc um, and don't really have him go much farther in. Uh, maybe go up to the free throw line if you need to. But kind of stay back there, get the rhythm, um, get involved, but don't do too much. I mean, you know, take your shots. Um, you know, Draymond and Steph will keep the floor open uh, for him. And I think there's also some opportunity down towards the, the hoop a little bit more than there was. I mean, we are really seeing – Wiggins, Wiggins just, I, I really, I really like him, man. I think he's going to open up the floor even more. Um, and 
and I'm, you know, I think the fear would be, right, are you going to get end up putting putting too many minutes on clay? You front load them, I guess, if you have to, but maybe keep them for specialized parts of the rotation. But make sure you keep them out there with the ones. Um, so I would say have them start, use them judiciously, um, and don't ask too much from him. And I think they don't need to. <laughs> I mean, look at that record. And and if it costs them a game or two because of some mismanaged minutes, so be it. You know what I mean? I don't I don't think it's going to be the the nail in their coffin if they end up get using kind of a little bit of this this as we were calling it the dog days to get Clay uh, massaged into the team. Uh, what do you think, Barry? Yeah, um, Nick's uh, tied it up. Um, the Garden's going crazy right now. they the Celtics are getting outplayed. Um, when Durant tore his Achilles and missed a whole season and in the, in, when he was signed to Brooklyn and came back, he started. What's, what's the difference? Like, he, you know, he, you don't have to well, log Durant him a lot of minutes. Inside. But no, but still, even still, Clay's on that level, right? Clay's a, a, a top player when he's healthy. Um, why not start him? You don't have to play him. 40 minutes a game. I think that's the better question, right, Alan? Like, it's not about him starting. Is it how many how, – how are you playing him? Is he playing the first quarter? Is he playing 40 minutes a game? Like, I'm, I'm playing 20 to 25 minutes a game, kind of getting his feet wet, building him up so that he can be ready, get his, his feel and get his touches ready for the playoffs. If he's playing more than 30 minutes – um, as soon as he gets back, that's a mistake in my opinion. But like any other player, like Jordan missed a year and a half, not for injury, but you know to play baseball. He came back, he was a starter. <laughs> you know he hadn't touched the basketball. So I mean, Clay's got to start. I just don't think he needs to play heavy minutes. I think you got you got so much talent like that that has stepped up in in his stead that you don't need to run him out there to save your season, right? You don't need him to get you into the a stretch on to get into the playoffs. You're getting him ready for the playoffs. So you you don't need him playing 40 minutes. Just have him 20, 25 minutes a game and, and get his feet wet. That's it. But I, I think his impact is going to be huge. He's going to push, um, like, Wiggins and company and, and, and Peyton, all those guys, into a role where they're going to be even more comfortable Um this team, I, until until anybody proves me wrong, they're the favorite. I think Vegas has the Nets as the favorite. I think they're like a plus two fifty. Nah, the Warriors are the favorite, man. And 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 the Suns are a really good team. They're right there with them. But I I just love the Warriors. Their, their defense, their ball movement, their their IQ on the court. They're they're, they're their favorite. And just the makeup of the team. I mean, even if it was all they're all really dumb but talented, just. You have the perfect – you have Draymond is the perfect guy for the middle of that. Uh, having two of the best outside shooters ever, literally perfect. And then really watching Wiggins grow into his own, I'm, uh, it's just – it's ridiculous. And maybe I'm making – you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, putting excuses in my own mouth for later. Um, I do think, like, from a roster construction standpoint – um, it's literally one of the best rosters uh, ever. I mean, it's just perfectly constructed. Can they do it? I do, you know, I absolutely think they can win the title. But I do think Brooklyn's, you know, got an absolute shot. But it just wouldn't shock me if, if uh, the way that team is made up, they could steamroll literally everybody just like they've been. Um, but, hey, guys, I, I, I had a, uh, a question for you um, as we uh, kind of have crossed the halfway point on the show. Um you know, big big moment um, earlier in the week with uh, Dirk Nowitzki getting his uh, jersey retired out in Dallas. Um, first off, um, did did anybody see the did anybody see that statue with the three balls coming out of the top? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I'd never seen anything like that. It's typical Mark Cuban, but um, you know what? Do, I I knew when they had a statue of him that it had to be that one foot, you know, fall away, oh, fade yeah. away, that fade away. Um, so when I saw it, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, pretty cool statue. I saw it on social media, too, that uh, I saw the statue. And then I saw a, a clip of Jason Kidd saying, you know, we're giving out 10 days. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I thought that was funny. Um, 
But, you know, it's funny you mentioned Dirk because when I heard you guys were talking about Dirk, I was like, I have to call because Dirk one of my favorite players. And I don't, I don't know if TP is listening. And I don't know, if, you know, I don't know if you remember Barry, but I would say years ago, uh, TP and I went back and forth about Dirk Nowitzki versus Chris Webber. And it went on for – it was the kitchen oh, yeah. shot that night. And, oh, he and, still and has heat for you. He still has heat for you, for Chris Webber. <laughs> <laughs> it rolled over into social media the next day. I'm like – so so obviously, bias aside, I, Dirk Nowitzki is way much better than Chris Webber. Um, so TP, if you're listening, call in. We can have the same argument, or I'll, I'll, I'll catch TP another time. But there's no doubt in my mind, like he, Dirk's like the greatest Maverick, uh, you know, greatest international player, regardless. And then no, said, no, I mean, no. I had that argument with somebody on social too, Alan. No, no, no. Number two, he's number two. Who? Who's number one? Dirk Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon. Come yeah, on, okay, man! College and pro, college and pro, that. man. That guy. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, wow. I, I gotta but play tiebreaker. I'm going Dirk. That's 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 technically well, that, that, that's crazy though. though. He he yeah, played college I, at Houston. Dirk came right. straight to the NBA from Germany. Elijah sure. played at the University of Houston, so I get that he's born in Nigeria. But he played college ball in University of Houston, so he had three, four years think, of. But he's still he's still yeah. an international player. He 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 uh, was he's that. a soccer player. He he didn't. I don't think he played basketball until later in high school uh, level until, um, and then he came over to the states. I mean, he made himself into I'm a. Like, listen, I think I'm his like peak. I think his peak in the in in the NBA is higher than Dirk's. Like, Dirk had an MVP, but I don't think even in that MVP you could argue that he was the best player in the league. Um, when Hakeem was – when Jordan retired the first time and he got his two championships, Hakeem was that dude. I mean, Penny was really good. Shaq was really good. But, you know, one against my next. Thank you for reminding me. But, I mean, Akeem, the dream shake, going after um, David Robinson, like, he was that dude. I think his peak – what, what, what Akeem doesn't get credit for because, and why I have him over Dirk is because he is a great offensive player, but Akeem's one of the best defenders ever, ever. I'm, Rebounds, I'm block shots. I'm good with Hakeem being number one. Exactly. And, and I'm trying to convince Dave because – his offensive game is is as good as Dirk. Dirk maybe is a is probably a better because he's you know stretched four and all that. But Hakeem's defense, unbelievable, unbelievable defender. You know, I, I'm gonna just go ahead and uh, uh, give give you this one because I can't say I saw enough of him uh, defensively at least because you know when you're young, when you're really young and blocking the game, you're not watching defense. At least I wasn't. Watch, watch uh, the ninety, watch the ninety-five finals against the Orlando Magic. I'm actually that's looking all at you the, need. Yeah, the stats from that ninety-three, ninety-four season actually. So, uh, but look I mean, no, at you, yeah, look no, at how he one-on-one defended Shaq. Nobody else, maybe other than De- uh, Dennis Rodman, could handle Shaq one-on-one. And Shaq so was a beast in Orlando. And, and 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 the dream just gave him fits. You know what I mean? Give him facts. Right. Okay, definitely. I'm, I'm fine with King being number one. But uh, just back to Dirk, some people would say that he he took the stretch four position and like like some people yeah like like K, KG came in and he was hitting like 18 footers when he was young when he was a young pup. Well, I think That's Dirk right. took the stretch four to a whole nother level. He was shooting threes. Now all these seven footers want to shoot threes. I think that's because of Dirk and his influence mm-hmm. on the game. Oh, so absolutely. when I when I think about great players and their impact on the game, so you got Dirk taking the stretch four position to another level. He, he's got a trophy of his one-legged shot, and everyone does that shot now. So I feel like those are two things. And then his impact probably internationally too. So those are three things that I, that stand up for me for Dirk being um, one of the best players. And, um, and also, yeah, he had his MVP season. He had – he has a finals MVP, and if it wasn't for Tim Donaghy, he might have two rings against the Heat. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. so he well deserved trophy. 
uh, jersey retirement. He he deserves it. I just I just remember because TP we were going at it. He said Chris. I asked him if Chris Webber was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and and TP kept telling me like no doubt, no doubt. And congrats to Chris Webber. He finally got into the Hall of Fame on his second attempt. And Dirk is a surefire Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Oh, one thing I I love about Dirk, and, and it's to your point, the, where where he made people look and and to an extent play the game differently, right? Like you could be a big man that was taking those outside shots and yeah, taking those fadeaways, and you didn't, you know, if you're a defender, you're like, wait a minute, this is like if you know, God, imagine if Yao Ming could even just shoot from the outside, he wouldn't have to put so much work on those feet. Um, but you know, one thing I always liked about um, Dirk was he just you know, he was. I, I know you shouldn't take this into account, especially you know uh, when you're when you're judging a player on his abilities. But I just think he was like a good ambassador for the game too, and I, I just think that has to be taken into account. Um, I, and and I think the NBA got lucky with a guy like Dirk to be able to um, have that body type, take that shot, um, and be able to. Uh, work with that whole franchise. I think Mark Cuban was really a good owner for for a guy like Dirk too, because he let him um, he let him be Dirk. I guess if that makes sense. And Dirk wasn't the loudest guy, but he also wasn't quiet. If that makes sense. Um, so I, I just I've always been Im- impressed by that. I'm glad he got the statue. I'm really I, I love I love it. Uh, the game got lucky with a guy like him. Yeah, I mean I, I look at I look at him Dirk. like. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. No, I just want to make one last point about Dirk. We're in an era of uh, you know team players teaming up, big threes and stuff. Tell me the other All Star that Dirk played with during that that season. He won a championship. He 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 took down the the Heat by him, not by himself, but obviously he was the only he was the only All Star. He was the only All NBA player. So that's another thing taken you know that you put on Dirk. Mantle. He's the only, he he was a one one all star show, and he took out the big th- three of Miami. That's that's a really good point. I mean, that's uh, yeah. And it was it was like him and I think Kit, it was him, Jason Kidd, and Terry were the three guys in that team. But it was really Dirk. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dirk. Dirk was perfect for Dallas, right? Not a lot of people wanted to go to Dallas. Um, you know, you couldn't he couldn't get free agents. Um, they drafted him, um, you know, it, and to Alan's point, you know, he came right out of Germany. His first year or two, he looked lost. He made himself into a great player, um, you know, so his story is, is great um, just in that aspect and then the, being an international player and all that. Um, I got nothing but respect for Dirk Nowitzki, and, and, like, I rooted hard for him against the Heatles. In that first, in that championship uh, finals, because I couldn't stand LeBron. It, but to be honest, like it, it was more, it was a, it was more about LeBron. But Dirk is such a great story, and you really rooted for him. You really wanted him to get that chip and to see how he carried that team. Um, I mean, listen, Sean Marion, Jason Kidd, and company, J, uh, uh, Jason Terry, they had a great finals, but it was it was Dirk and they knew they had to stop him and they couldn't stop him. And it just made you respect him so much. And you rooted for him, even if you, you know, wanted the heat to win because he's a good guy. And, you know, I'm glad that he's being honored. I'm glad he got the statue. He is the greatest Maverick ever. Um, and, and nothing but respect for Dirk Nowinski. You know, you, uh, you, you made one point that I, and I, I totally, uh, forgot to mention this, but one of the things that I really loved about Dirk, and, and I, I, again, I'm with you guys on, on Hakeem, uh, you know, being a, the, the guy, but one thing I really always loved about Dirk was is part of that, that transition story where he, he really kind of just showed up, didn't really know what to do, and yet rose to be the guy who took down, I mean, that was, it was I think it was 2010, 2011, um, to take out, like, that LeBron team. It's just unbelievable. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm glad we were all able to give him a, a little bit of time, uh, to show us our, our respect for uh, the great Dirk Nowitzki. Now, um, he, <laughs> one, one headline I saw that I just had to take a quick moment and laugh about was, uh, was Russell Westbrook. And I don't know if you guys saw that Russell Westbrook earlier this week, 
Uh, we got to give him uh, some love because he had a game with no turnovers for the first time since 2016. <laughs> Please get lost. Get lost. I mean, you know the what's the what's the first game in the four hundred and and seven games, right? That he didn't turn get a turnover. It's just disgusting. I just love how people were acting like that was the greatest thing ever. I mean, you know what it is though. Like it's the comments before that game, right? Like it's not about me, me and the turnovers. It, like when they're asking him, like if you can take care of the ball, or whatever. Do you think you know? It's like he's so it. It it's only about the stats. It's only about the triple double. Like he thinks that that's how he can help his team win. He he get seven eight turnovers a game to get those ten assists. And it's like he's his basketball IQ sucks. He he's reckless with the ball. I mean, like what can you do with this guy? Like you know. Dude, you need to take care. That's like a quarterback saying, it's not about me throwing touchdown passes. It's not about me throwing intercepts. That's what you do. That's your job. You're the point guard, dude. You need to take care of the basketball industry. That's your job, man. Like, And it's about him. Like, I, Everybody wondered why Kevin Durant left to go to Golden State. It's because of him. Like, He couldn't overcome that, and Durant was in his prime. Like, Listen. I can't take this dude sometimes, man. Like, dude, like, <laughs> just, just, just take care of the basketball, man. Like, get your IQ up. Like, he's a he's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's a, he's a stat stuffing machine. It, it's not, his his numbers do not equate to wins. TP hates when I say it because he loves Westbrook. He loves meat meat, dude. I can respect his hustle. I respect how hard he plays. But he he plays them 100 miles a minute, and it's just like it, it's like driving with the with the, with a, a glass a shield over the windshield. You don't know where the guy's going. It's just no IQ for this guy. Oh, it was when I would uh, I, I I think it was like a hold B three times and you run circle around, and that's how you get uh, infinite turbo on uh, NBA Jam. And I'm pretty sure that's how he plays. Yeah, but, uh, pretty much. Uh, I I actually got to admit I like Russell Westbrook. Just because he's fun, but I would scream if he was on my team. You know what I mean? Like I, I like watching him play, but from a distance. You know, he's like uh, I, I, I love this dude on uh, I see him on Instagram, the professor. Um, he, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. He's awesome. So much fun to watch him make people fall over in the park. I, I can't get enough, especially in like Bugs Bunny outfits and stuff. But, uh, but it's not going to win you games. You got to, you got to do more than that. Yeah, Russell Westbrook leaves a lot uh, to be desired, even though he's the biggest stat batter ever. But now, Barry, I, ho- I, I hope you appreciated that because I needed a second there, and I know you well enough that <laughs> if I just say the words Russell Westbrook, you're going to lose your mind. Yeah, I mean, listen, I listen, I respect the guy, but like, come on, man, come on, man. You don't care about turnovers, and then mysteriously, the next game you have no turnovers. Like, you, of course, you care. Give me a break. Like, so. if, if I put effort in, then I, I won't do it. But otherwise, ah, just, you know, it's like when I play 2K. So like, sometimes I'll, I'm, I'm always the point guard. And I'll just fire it in the middle and hope for the best. So I'm looking at the stats for that game when he had no turnovers. He wasn't trying to chase mm-hmm. a triple-double because he had 19 points. He had seven rebounds and only two assists. So that's why he had only no turnovers. Only two assists. He wasn't, he wasn't exactly. Exactly, Alan. When he's not, when he's when he's not chasing the the, the triple double, he he's he's actually a point guard. Go figure. Right, but, wait, but wait, I think that's the Lakers' mistake, though. But I feel like that that was the Lakers' mistake of trading for him. You know, you already have LeBron. LeBron's really the point guard, right? So why? Would that's they all on LeBron. Why would they, that's all they on LeBron. Like, I would I would right. I would have picked. I would have gave up the same package for Bradley Bill. That that is a better oh, fit oh, for yeah, LeBron. R.J. So. Barrett with the banker to win, uh, shopping at the bank. The garden's going crazy. Um, but Did yeah, really? dude. It, yeah, this is all on LeBron. This is all on LeBron because he doesn't. Get, they don't make that trade if a LeBron doesn't okay it. So he thought he could. He listen. There were better options at point guard that they could have gotten 
other than Russell Westbrook, and you know, it's just not going to work. It's not working. It, it isn't. I, and also, you, I think Barry, it was you who said it earlier. I think one thing that the Lakers, first off, Westbrook is just not a good fit, and it's hard to say he's only a good fit on a team when he's the only show in town. Like if if this was the Knicks two years ago, not last year. Last year worked out great, but if he was like the only show in town for the Knicks, I think that would have been been a blast while they kind of rebuild the roster and rejigger all the pieces around it. Um, but um, I can have to check out that highlight of that. Uh, that what was it, the last second shot, Barry? Yeah, last second, one one point five seconds oh. left, um, and hit hit a fade, a falling away three pointer to win the game. Guard goes crazy. Maybe that's uh, their moment. You know what I mean? They need a moment, and that could be it. Yeah, it could be. You know, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, listen, it, it it's orange and blue skies, baby. Allen knows I love it, babe. Orange and blue skies. I got my Knicks shirt. I'm gonna wear it tomorrow. Woo! This is, this is that's beautiful. <laughs> Oh, man. I need oh, something. Tony My Martin. Giants are pathetic. Oh, God, I only watch the Knicks if Kimba's playing. <laughs> well, he's hurt right now. I think he. I honestly think he is played he, his way back into the lineup. You know, he played some really he, good basketball. Is he really hurt though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's hurt. He is. Okay. Yeah, legit, legit hurt, legit hurt. I, I still don't know why. I'm sure you guys talked about it in the past weeks. I still don't know why that happened, but I'm sure you guys talked about it. <laughs> I mean, I felt like he was the scapegoat for their poor defensive play, and I, but I can really look at Evan Fournier as a guy that really um, oh. was playing bad basketball. But I think, to Alan's point, everybody was playing bad. Like, Julius Randle took a step back. R.J. Barrett's been inconsistent. Um, you know, um, now that Robinson is starting to get his sea legs on them, he's looking like a dominant player. I think that's the start. Him playing, anchoring the middle and playing a lot better and playing with a lot more energy has started to lift the Knicks a little bit. Um, I mean, but then you look at Evan Fournier, hits, gets a career high 41 tonight, right? So, <laughs> you know, it's like when these guys are playing well, it, when they're shooting and everything's going well, it, it's orange and blue skies. So, I think Fournier needs to be more consistent. I think Julius needs to let the game come to him. I think Barrett needs – and it's it's tough because he's 21 years old. He's a baby. He's still a baby. You know what I mean? Like, once once he gets it – once he really gets it, Barrett's going to be really – he's going to be a good player. So, um, it's I think it's just patience with the Knicks. I think it's patience. Fournier oh, only plays well against the Celtics. <laughs> We should play them every day. Yeah, we should play the Celtics every game. <laughs> yeah, I guys. I just want to make a one point about Julius Randle. So, um, I think the all NBA team, the second team that he made last year, was the worst thing that happened to Julius Randle. Um, okay. Because Nick fans, because of that, uh, put him on another stature right now. And they should, because if you're all NBA second team, that means you're one of the top 10 players in the NBA. And we we all know that. Julius Randle is not even a top 20 player. And I know he had a great season last year, and there you know, there was some debate of whether he should actually make the second team because a lot of people say it was a New York media hype that pushed him to all-NBA second team. He had a great season. I'm not going to question that. But I think that was the worst thing that happened to him because now like, they think he's top 10 player, and he's definitely not. So he, he – like, I don't know. Whatever he does for the rest of the season – it's not going to, you know, Knicks fans have too much of high expectations for him after last season. Yeah. Uh, all right, fellas. Hey, I am taking a look at the clock here, and we are right up against it. Um, but, Alan, it was great having you on and talking to you. Um, Barry and Alan, I'm going to give you guys both a little quick chance to say uh, bye. Keep it quick. Uh, Alan, you say night, and then Barry, you're up. So who's first, B? Alan. <laughs> you, Barry. Oh. oh, I thought you said Barry. <laughs> um, it was great. It's, it's, been a, it's been a minute. It was good chatting with you. Um, um, Dave, you want to talk about Steph Curry? We can talk about Steph Curry because I just want to make one quick point about Steph Curry. So that debate I had with TP years ago about Dirk Nowitzki, TP's main question was, what, is, what, is, what else does Dirk do besides shoot? I'm like, he, he rebounds. He averages like nine rebounds. So my, my, my point is regarding Steph Curry is he, he's great. But when he has off nights, when, like the last two games he's had, 
what 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 does he right. bring to the team? And it doesn't he doesn't have off nights that much, right? That many times. But the last two games, I think he's like eight for forty one. What what value does he bring to the team? So that that's that's what makes me question about Curry's um, greatness. He he's definitely great, but when he's not shooting well, what does he bring to the table? So I just want to plug that in both of your ears for the night. And uh, like as always, great catching up with everyone. All right, Fair, you're up. Listen, um, Sports City, get to the website, the blogs, the interview. I'm working. I'm trying to get through my MLB article. Uh, I, I want to do um, something on the All Star uh, ballots that should be coming up later this month. So I'm working on it, but uh, I got a lot of things uh, cooking for that. A lot of things cooking in the in the kitchen. Me and TP going to do a show live soon. Uh, working on that, and you know, listen, uh, love you guys. Thanks for uh, popping through in Sports City, man. We're doing big things. Listen, I love it. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you check us out at www.sportcitychefs.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Sport City Chefs. Uh, check us out next week, same time, same place. And I have said enough for a lifetime. And for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant, good afternoon. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, you, Chef, you. Sports City, Sports City, Chef, you, Chef, you. Yeah. Cap. Todd. <laughs> Woo! Connecticut. Uh.